thank you, Nerola and worship team. It's a, a great, uh, great song that goes along with this psalm that we're going to look at today. Um, for those of you who don't know, for over May and June, we're looking at the book of Psalms, and we're, we're trying to uh, capture and understand the variety, um, and not just to, to understand and say, isn't that nice, but to use them in our lives as a way to relate to God, because they are exactly that. They're like a hymn book. Uh, some of us are from that tradition. Some of us don't know what that is, but it's a, it's a songs that the church would sing. Um, and it is the hymn book of, of God's people. And uh, so that way it's, it's very helpful for us uh, as we learn to find our own voice to communicate with God. Um, today we're going to look at a psalm of, of lament or complaint. And uh, <clears throat> most of us probably think, you know, I, I don't need to learn a lot about complaining. I'm, I'm pretty good. Or you may say, well, I'm not as good as someone, other people I know. And I could mention those people, but... Uh, complaining is something that comes to us uh, fairly easily uh, in life. And, uh, you know, I was thinking a little bit about this today. It's, it's interesting that all the women are gone. I don't think, uh, I didn't pick this because the women, not, not all, some of you obviously are here, but many of the women, I shouldn't say all, excuse me, uh, many of the women are gone. And so this is not like, I'm not focusing on you men, okay, and saying you're the complainers. Um, it's just the way things worked out. But I was thinking that I think in many ways, um, Make, I'm going to make a sexist comment that means all things being equal, this I think is often the case, it's not true in every case, is that I think women tend to be more verbal and sometimes maybe their complaints are more verbal. And for us as men, we tend to be less verbal, not true of all of us, but our complaints often are, are more internal. They're there. <laughs> you just don't see it as much. Or you see it showing up in, other, in different ways, uh, in actions and attitudes, uh, as opposed to directly through a complaint. But the book of Psalm has lots of different psalms of laments or complaints. Sometimes the psalmist is complaining about sickness in the body and what is happening to their body and, and uh, asking God to help to heal. Sometimes it's concerning persecution, exterior pressure from those around them, um, and that is, is often the case. Sometimes they complain as they look around and they say, why, God, are all those who are doing evil winning? Why are, why are good things happening to those who are not only destructive to me, but destructive to you, but destructful to people? Why, God, if you're just, if you care? You know, the cry of the psalmist is, how long, God, until this is done? Until things will be right, like it should be for all people. And I think that's a lament that we've all felt. We look, you open up the newspaper if you don't feel that lament about certain things you read, then something's broken, isn't it, inside of us. Sometimes it's about, it's about justice. Justice is just missing. There's all kinds of different laments, but, but this lament is a little bit different. This psalm is a little bit different than all those. It's, it's really a dialogue. Psalm 42 is specifically a dialogue between the self and the soul. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but let me put it this way. When you talk to yourself... From the psalmist's perspective, you're really talking to your soul. You're having a conversation with, with your soul. Now, I'm not trying to break you up into three or two or whatever different types, but, but you know what I mean. You, you know, you might be walking down the, the road and walk by a restaurant and go, you know, oh, I'm kind of hungry. I mean, you don't say it out loud, but you're thinking it, right? And then you, part of you says, well, no, you ate two hours ago. You shouldn't be hungry. And then another part, you, so you start to have this conversation, but look, that looks really good. You start to have this conversation, and that's what's happening in this psalm. There's, there's an internal conversation in Psalm 42 that's going on. And then in Psalm 43, the, 
which uh, uh, we'll talk about is, is really a connected psalm. It's really one psalm that at some point got broken up into two. But in Psalm 43, um, that conversation extends to God. In other words, God, God is invited in to the conversation. Um, the subject uh, of this is a lament, and specifically a lament that God is lost. That God is lost to this person at that moment. For some reason, they cannot find God. They don't know where it is. It's not that the idea of God is lost. It's not that belief in God is lost. But the presence, the experience that they have known and felt before is absent. They cannot feel or sense God's presence. It's a subjective thing that is lost. Not an objective that God is not there anymore, but a subjective And the words open up with this idea of thirsting, longing for God, like a deer out in a wilderness that can't find water in a dry time, longs for that first taste of water to refresh them. So, God, my soul is like that. I'm longing for you, but I can't find you. I don't know where you are. I don't sense your presence anymore. Three times uh, in this psalm, um, there's this refrain that goes on and says, Why so downcast on my soul? You know, why so discouraged? Put your hope in God. Um, But as you read the psalm and as you think about it, really the first two of these refrains are actually, I think, quite unconvincing to the person singing it or saying it. Um, Because why? It goes right back into lament. (laughs) It slides as quickly as it says, put your hope in God. God, why have you abandoned me? You know, it's as if it's as if this person uh, singing or writing the psalm or experiences is trying to get their soul started again, trying to get things moving in the right direction, but they can't. They can't. They can't reconnect. They can't find a way to do it. You know why? You know, or how has the psalmist lost God? We don't know. We're not told. Uh, maybe that's to our benefit. Maybe the, the beauty of this psalm is that there's not a specific situation like sickness or persecution or other things. And the benefit for that is this, is this psalm can be used in all kinds of different situations in your life. It's not applicable for just when you're sick. But there are many times that you go through life that you wonder, where is God? You know? God, where are you? And the great thing about this psalm is it, it lets us enter into that reality and to express it to God. Where are you? Now, this may be a shock to some of you, but, you know, hang around the world long enough. You know, hang around in a relationship with God, and at different times, you, your soul will go, I don't know where you are. I don't know why this is happening. Why, why aren't you showing up like I knew and believed and trusted? Why can't I? If, even if you don't fix it, why can't I feel that you are here and you're going to? Why? Where? Where are you, God? That, it's interesting, maybe for us, not for the psalmist, but it's interesting, don't you think, that that psalm, that song, is put in the hymn book for God's people to sing. It's there because it's real. It's there because we experience it. And it's there because, to be honest, we don't know what to do with it. Most of the time when it comes, we, we hide. We pretend it's not happening. We don't go off and tell you know, all of our close friends, you know, guess what? I think I've lost God. I don't know where he is. Huh, isn't that nice? We just hold it in. And let it slowly tear us apart. This sense of God's loss. That God is not there like he was in the past. 
This, the psalmist talks about that, that they've lost their joy, they've lost their purpose, their meaning. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? And they're lost, they, they look at other people around them and some people who are taunting them, probably some people that are not. At, but they feel that everyone is looking at them and going, you know, oh, where's your God now? Oh, Mr. Full of Faith, where is your God now? Maybe you've had that feeling. Maybe things haven't gone right. Maybe you've, at different points, you've talked to people about your relationship with God and how He cares for you, and then you come into a time where you're sick or things are hard, and, and people may not say it, but you, you might be able to see it in their, in their eyes and say, okay, Mr. God's with me. Where is He? That feels hard to see that gaze and to wonder. And sometimes, to be honest, you know what? We just imagine it. It's not even there, but we feel it. It's just as real to us, even though someone's not looking at us in that way. This person feels vulnerable, abandoned. It's interesting, part of the psalm talks about, uh, talking about the waves flowing over them. It's almost like they're, they're slowly drowning. You know, they're like a drowning person who cannot rescue themselves because they cannot find God again. And no matter what this initial loss is, is all about, it feels like they're being taken under, never to come back up again, never to enjoy the sweetness of God that they've experienced in the past. But you know, the reality of who we are, the reality of our soul is this. No soul goes down easily, do we? We may get discouraged, it may be hard, but that soul says, no, I, I want, you know, I long for, I desire, I want what I've had in the past. Most of us don't just go, you know, I've had this great relationship with God or I've had this great job or this great relationship, but now I'm in the future and so, you know, I, I just don't want anything anymore. No. We long for the good things of the past to what continue into the future. And so the soul fights back. And this soul really fights back three times in three different ways in this psalm. Probably similarly to how we fight back. First thing that the soul does is it remembers. It remembers... You know, days gone by. It remembers days when uh, they were going in to worship God. Potentially, this is the procession going up from the town up into Jerusalem that would grow and grow. And this person at some point, right in the psalm, probably led that procession, led the singing. And it was probably an incredibly spiritual high point in their life with God and His community worshiping and singing, going to the temple, going to the place where God was, and, and trying to remind themselves of that great, that great moment that, you know, the, of God in the past, that celebration. But you know what? As they say this, what does the psalmist says? It says, my heart is breaking as I remember that. You know, sometimes memory is a good thing, isn't it? I guess so. <laughs> Try that again. Sometimes memory is a good thing. But sometimes memory is a painful thing, isn't it? It's a reminder of what was. It's a reminder of what's lost. A reminder of wondering, will I ever capture that back? Again, will I ever have that joy? You know? And so he's, even as he remembers that wonderful moment, his heart is breaking. It's not, this memory is not lifting him back up. It's not giving him faith. It's pulling him back down. The second thing that uh, in verse 6 it talks about probably is a list of significant places for this writer. Um, where they experienced God or places where the community had experienced God. And, and so he tries to remember and think about, well, let, let me not just remember that specific time, but the specific places where God has encountered me or his people that remind me that will hopefully bring my faith back, my belief back. But even as they do that, they start talking about the ocean, and that's where they talk, talking about my soul feels like it's in the ocean, being dragged down. 
you know, never to come up again. Why so downcast on my soul? Why? Put your hope in God, but God, why have you abandoned me? That's the idea of the psalm. And the third thing that happens here is there's, there's a theological reminder. Uh, this probably person must have gone to seminary at some point and said, you know what, I was taught in Theology 101, you know, about God. And so, you know, they, re- they maybe pull out their mental textbook and they say to themselves, but each day the Lord pours out His unfailing love upon me, and, though, and, and through each night I sing the songs, praying to God who gives me life. And he pulls out his theology and he says, I know that these things are true. But then he sinks right back down. It's like there's three attempts to try to pull your, your heart back up to encourage yourself. And yet, the psalm ends with the refrain, Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. But it, it, to me... And to many of the commentators, it kind of, to be honest, it falls flat. There's an attempt to rise up, but they can't get out of it. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe not about God. Maybe about another situation. Maybe about work. Maybe about relationships or friends. But you just can't seem to pull yourself out. You just can't seem to rise above the depression, the discouragement, the sadness of what happens. You know, memory is a really wonderful thing in many situations, but in some things, in some ways, memory can, can hurt us. Longing for that past in the present can actually make it harder to live in the present. Sometimes that memory taunts us, doesn't it? Back then, God was there. Where is He now? Back then, God provided for you. Where is He now? Back then, there were such good things, you know, you, see, you read this all the time in the Bible, you know, the people leaving the land of, uh, of Egypt and going to a new land, and what do they do? You know, oh, well, back in those days, we had it so good in Egypt. You were a slave. What are you thinking? Well, you know, sometimes memory gets warped along the way. And the hard things right now make the things in the past look so sweet, even when they're not. Psalm 42 is about what's lost. And in your life, in our life, we are going to experience loss. So like I said, if it doesn't connect with you now, hang around the planet. You will discover loss, and loss that you cannot pull yourself out of. I think this psalm also reminds us that there are limits to that internal conversation. Me and the soul. You know, me, myself, and I having a discussion about, about what things are going on. I don't know about you, but I know about me. I do that a lot. I have a lot of internal discussion going on. Um, some of it's just because I, I like talking to myself. Some of it is because some of my discussion is not uh, something I want to share <laughs> or something I'm proud of. It's ideas that pop in and then sometimes are wrestled with and sometimes entertained. But, there's, but I'm, I'm good at this internal discussion. But you know what? There are limits that that discussion can take you. And the psalm doesn't change and there doesn't become really any hope until you move in to Psalm 43. And again, as I mentioned early, but briefly, these psalm, this psalm was sometime cut up for whatever reason we don't know, but was probably one psalm. And the reason we know that is because the refrain at the end is exactly the same as the refrain in, in Psalm 42. 
the, the, the end point. Why, so, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. And Psalm 43 moves us and takes a significant movement from this internal dialogue and, and lets God in. You know, no longer is there this twosome of just me, me and the soul, me and myself and I, but I invite God in and I pray, and it's a prayer here in Psalm 43. And it's, it's a pretty bold prayer. Um, it's a pretty demanding prayer of God. If you read it, it says this, Declare me innocent, O God. Defend me against these ungodly people. Rescue me from the unjust liars, for you are God, my only safe haven. Why have you tossed me aside? Send your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain. See, there's, there's a breakout. There's an escape from this internal life, this internal dialogue that could not lift us up to this saying, God, hey, this is your problem. You know, this is, you defend me. I mean, how, how can you defend yourself when someone says to you, where's your God? You know, you can't just go, here he is. Can you? You can't prove. You can't vindicate yourself. You know, you, someone says you're, you're guilty and, and there's no proof either way. You, sometimes you just can't prove that you're, that you're not guilty. Only God can. Only He can vindicate. Only He can rescue. And the psalmist finally turns and says, God, you do this. You, you take these people that are scoffing at me and saying, demanding, where is your God? You show them that you're here. It moves all the focus away from the self and the me to the God who promises to be there. Rescue me from these, these lies. Lies about you lies about me and then send your light and your truth to me that's the prayer you know light exposes evil it exposes evil in us it exposes evil around us um, in all things and in all people it also gives you clarity doesn't it you know I don't know about you but uh, recently I was at a conference and I was in a room uh, with uh, two other guys not my best night's sleep from the conference, and, uh, you know, you, you get up, and it's dark, and uh, you go to the bathroom, and, you know, it's kind of like, well, now, where, what was this room like? You know, you don't know. Next thing you know, you're banging your toe, and you're hitting your elbow, and, you know, making noise, and partly, because why? You, you don't know where you are. You don't know where you're supposed to go. But if, if I could have, and I didn't, if I could have turned the lights on, you know, I would have known where to go. Light helps you to see the direction that you need to go. And this is a plea. God, send your lights so I know where to go. So that I can be led. And then truth. Send me your truth to dispel the lies. The lies we tell ourselves. I mean, Psalm is saying, God, I don't feel you. God, you're not here. God, where are you? And yet he knows, even theologically says, that the truth of God, you're there. You know, you care for me every day. You give your grace to me every day. He says, God, I've been telling myself a lie that you're not here, but you are. I can't feel you. That's true. But you're here. Help me to experience you again. And then this light and this truth leads you somewhere. It takes you someplace. And light and truth ultimately will lead you to a person, to God. But it will also lead you on a path, a life with God. You know, 
It's this is a very demanding prayer. In fact, it's an audacious, it's a courageous prayer uh, that this person is is saying. It's a prayer that we should say, and it, and it's appropriate for this one reason: all of these things God has promised He will do. You know, the psalmist isn't just saying, God, you know, I want a Porsche. God, I want a bigger house. God, I want all these things. But these are all things God says, I promise I will do for my people. And so the, the psalmist says, you, you, okay, then God, do it. Do it now. You know, and that interaction between God and the psalmist starts to move him in a positive direction, starts to move so that the words of the refrain, why so discouraged of my soul, why put, why is my heart so sad, I will put my hope in God, I will praise him again, my Savior and my God, it, it, it starts to, to ring true because God has been invited into the life, into the dialogue through prayer. I just want to say for a moment as I move towards a close is, is just um, there are some theological real challenges in, in this uh, psalm. And, and one of them is, you know, the idea of, of losing God. Uh, you know, not God being lost like we don't know where he is, you know. But me personally losing that contact, that connection. And it doesn't seem like the psalmist is saying here that it's because I did something wrong. Now, it could be that he did, but they don't believe that they did. You know, what is this, what are the benefits of losing God? That may be the strangest phrase you hear for quite a long time. But what are the benefits of losing God from time to time? And this is not something new. This is something that many saints, many people who, godly people have gone before and said, I've gone through, you know, the dark night of the soul, this period of where I could not connect with God. Very faithful people, you know. So when it happens to you, if it happens to you, it shouldn't be a shock. But here's some of the benefits of losing God for a while. We no longer take him for granted. You know, it's easy with anyone you know very well to take them for granted. Some of us, you know, our wives—not all of us—but some of our wives are gone, you know, for the weekend, and uh, you know, we kind of realize there's some things we take for granted that they that they do and that happen and that that just happen, and now we realize no, it's not that way. <laughs> and sometimes with God, we just take God for granted, and sometimes that distance allows us to not take God for granted. I think one of the other things that we that happens in, in this lostness that's not connected to God is that we recognize Him for who He is. The psalmist says this, He is the source of all my joy. He's the source of all my joy. And there's a thought for you to, to take home maybe today. Maybe a challenging thought, maybe a question that you're not convinced of. But the psalmist says, and I think the Bible would agree, that every good thing that you will ever receive and enjoy, God made possible for you. That's a wild thought. Everything that you will ever enjoy, everything that, that causes you to celebrate and say, that's wonderful, God made possible. Whether it's another person, whether it's a sunset, whether it's the breeze, whether it's a, a tasty meal. All the ingredients came from God. Not from you, not from someone else, but from Him. But we forget, don't we? And we think we do it all. The psalmist, you know, in this experience, reminds, is reminded again that God is the provider of all that He needs. He is the defender 
of his life and of his integrity. He is the vindicator when he's accused falsely. Is only God can vindicate. He can't vindicate himself. And all these three things were true beforehand. It's not as if this is new information, but now, through this trial and difficulty, he realizes it's true and he lives differently because of it. And because he's come through this process, he has a different perspective. You know? God is the source of my joy. There's a purifying in that what really matters in life is not all the trinkets and the things, but it's being connected to the one who made you and knows you and loves you and has a path. A beautiful, wonderful, challenging, growing path for you to go on. And that this path is preparing us and purifying us for a future. Not just here and now, but into the future. And you know, there's some things you just can't learn the easy way. But what a shame it is in life when we, we take the hard lessons, but we never learn what we're supposed to learn in it, about God, about ourselves, and about the hope that He has for us, and who He is, the one who protects and provides and cares, the one who is the source of all the good things. And the one who is therefore worthy of our praise, worthy to be called our Savior, worthy for our hope to be in, as opposed to all the other hope things we, we have that will ultimately disappoint. There are some really good things that happen through going through dark moments. And you've probably been through some. I know I've been through some. I don't want more. <laughs> but I want the lessons. I want the truths that I learn through those dark times. I have asked God to make it in a pill form, please. And if I could pick it up at the pharmacy, that would be most appreciated. And he seems to say no. It doesn't work that way. There's no value in that. Trust me. Come to me. Talk to me. You'll be surprised what we can do together. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we are really good at complaining. And uh, especially in a country where in so many ways we have it so good, uh, we still find time and space and energy and opportunity to complain. And yet so often we forget the greatest benefit we have, which is a relationship with you. And so often this, the words of the psalmist um, here kind of rings hollow in us because we don't really long for you very much. We ask that you would awaken that part of us so that we can really truly enjoy life in the source, you, that gives us this life. Father, help us to use this psalm and other psalms to open up our hearts, which are oftentimes very close to you, to break that circuit between the self and the soul and to open up a communication link with you so that we can be expanded in our understanding of who you are, what you are about, but also that you do care for us, that you do lead us, and that you do provide and protect. Lead us, we pray, in this direction. Help us, Lord, for we don't know how to do it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.